This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Beautiful sunny day here in the Northeast. Hope it's good weather where you are. Temperature's supposed to be close to 70 degrees today. Can't wait to get outside, but we're going to spend the next 60 minutes with you talking about what happened in sports yesterday and probably the funniest thing I saw yesterday was all of a sudden Bob Baffert went from, gee, I don't think, I don't know how this betamethasone got into my horse and it's like a conspiracy and I didn't do it and it's a gut punch and yada, 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 to all of a sudden yesterday having a statement released by his lawyer. Not by him, by the way. It was a, it was a statement issued by his lawyer claiming that the horse Medina Spirit was being treated for some kind of a a skin condition, dermatitis, and it was being treated with an ointment once a day uh, leading up to the race that uh, his pharmacology, equine pharmacology experts have told him uh, could explain the results that it has the betamethasone in it. And uh, uh, <laughs> that's how all of a sudden... It went from, I don't know, to now I know. <clears throat> and, you know, the statement said, well, you know, my investigation's continuing. We don't know for sure if the ointment was the cause. Uh, and uh, he's also been told that that small amount could have, uh, you know, would have no uh, influence on the outcome of the race. So, the, you know, my race won the horse, you know, I mean, won the race fairly. And, uh, you know, had nothing to do with nothing. But I think this is how it got there. And, oh, sorry. You know, I mean, that's the thing. You know, it's kind of like these baseball players that get caught with, you know, the drugs and, you know, with the uh, banned substances. Oh, I know nothing. You know, honest to God, it's, you know, Sergeant Schultz from, from Hogan's Heroes. Now, uh, his horses have been allowed to enter the Preakness with additional testing. This weekend, um, if, if any any of the betamethasone uh, shows up in their system, they will be automatically disqualified, any level of it whatsoever. So if they were still treating the horse with this ointment after the Kentucky Derby, there's this horse is likely to, uh, to be disqualified anyway. Um, it drew the number uh, three post. It's only a field of 10 horses, by the way. Um, it's a, it, and the horse is a five to two favorite. Not that that means a whole hell of a lot, but you know, it's interesting. There's only two horses from the Kentucky Derby that are entered into the Preakness or two others other than, uh, Medina spirit. 
Uh, keep me in mind, and Midnight Bourbon are the only other Kentucky Derby horses going this weekend. Uh, Mandelon, who could end up winning the Kentucky Derby if indeed Medina Spirit gets disqualified, isn't in the race. Uh, so uh, there'll be no uh, Triple Crown winner this year. Now, well, I shouldn't say that because if for some reason Medina Spirit doesn't get disqualified from the Kentucky Derby this second test that they're going to do or whatever, and they determine that it wasn't over the limit, uh, could still technically win the Triple Crown if it wins the Preakness and the Belmont. But, boy, what an asterisk that would be. So, anyway, it's just – I mean, I just started laughing as soon as I saw it. I mean, it, it was just typical. I, You know, it's a conspiracy. I don't know. I didn't do – I did nothing. Oh, and by the way, this is the fifth time in 13 months that one of your horses has been, conf- uh, been uh, found to have uh, illegal substances in its system. But you know nothing. You know, so it's just, this is a guy, unfortunately now, you know, a guy who won his seventh Kentucky Derby, at least for now, for the rest of, for his legacy is going to be, he was a cheater. It's just like a guy like Alex Rodriguez in Major League Baseball, a guy who hit a ton of home runs or uh, Barry Bonds, a guy who hit a ton of home runs and is technically the all-time leader in home runs in Major League Baseball. Not that I recognize it because he cheated. But those guys, you know, put up these gaudy numbers, but they did it illegally. Bob Baffert's no different. Now, I mean, obviously he's not an athlete. He's a trainer, but he's, you know, he cheated to help get his horses victories. And who knows, maybe he cheated in some of his Kentucky Derby victories. At the end of the day, this is a guy whose legacy has now been permanently tarnished. Yeah, he had the other positive drug test before, and he and he fought the one in the suspension in Arkansas, and he won that. And but at the end of the day, when you get caught in the biggest horse race in the country, in the world, and you know you're screwed, so forever. You know, his numbers, the numbers that his horses have put up and the number of winners that he's had, not just in Kentucky Derby, but everywhere, everything becomes suspect. Just like Barry Bonds, just like Alex Rodriguez, guys that are known cheaters. It becomes suspect. So, there you are. But he went from uh, being a dope to all of a sudden, well, no, wait a minute, I think I know how it happened. Hmm, funny how that works. Uh, just a quick note before we get on to uh, games from yesterday. I was very sad to see. We weren't on the air yesterday, but I was very sad to see this on Monday night uh, that Kenny Maine is leaving ESPN. I've always been a big fan of his. Uh, I love his sarcasm because I have a healthy dose of sarcasm in my delivery. And uh, so I have always kind of identified with Kenny Maine, and I was very sad to see that he's leaving ESPN. He called himself a salary cap casualty. Uh, Basically what happened is his contract was up. And ESPN came to him with an offer that essentially was a pay cut. Well, not essentially. It was a pay cut. We don't know the exact numbers. But this is what ESPN has systematically been doing over the years is cutting the salaries of, uh, you know, their names, and they're gone. I mean, that's why people like Dan Patrick and Keith Olbermann uh, and, and Mike Golick and Trey Wingo and all these guys are no longer with the network because ESPN, 
you know, now, you know, Disney is playing hardball and cutting salaries. You know, and Mike Golick made a great point. He said, you know, he says, we're getting to the point where we can start our own new network with former ESPN employees that were shown the door. <laughs> it's true. But Kenny Mayne, great guy. I mean, one of the, he been at ESPN forever. Uh, got a chance to meet him um, a couple of times when I worked uh, at Central Connecticut State University. He came, one time he came, he just wanted to be on the sideline during a football game. Of course, he was a former college football player, loved the sport, and wanted to be on the sidelines, so got him some sideline passes. Great guy. Great guy. So uh, just sad to see him uh, leaving ESPN. I hope he lands somewhere uh, that I can watch because I am a, a big fan of Kenny Maines. So uh, just ESPN continuing to do what ESPN does. All right, uh, let's get to baseball from last night. And the Red Sox lose another one. They've now lost two straight. Look, you know, they're still 22-15. and 15. Seven games over 500, but they had an opportunity the last couple of days, uh, games that were ripe for the taking where they got good pitching performances where they couldn't get big hits. Hell, last night they could hardly get any hits. Now, four, four hits last night. Matter of fact, I think it's two straight games with four hits. Chris Bassett was great for the athletics last night. Seven innings, ten, hit, uh, ten strikeouts, no walks. Allowed just three hits. Uh, two runs, one of them a, an opposite field home run by Rafi Devers. I still can't believe got out of there. And uh, one of the other hits, you know, was an infield single. So Bassett was great. Nate Valdi was just as good for Boston. Went six innings, two hits, one run. Struck out four. Great bounce back game for Evaldi. Now the problem was is that he threw 102 pitches in six innings. It would have been nice to get him another inning. And if he could have gotten them another inning, you know, who knows? The problem that Boston is having now is that this bullpen, which overachieved early in the season, you know, and look, I know Matt Barnes has been great, so I'm not going to say he overachieved. However, um, guys like Darwins and Hernandez, who had like three straight outings where you thought he was he'd finally figured it out right and he was going to be the answer well yesterday he was terrible again couple of hits the walk couldn't find the strike zone ends up giving up two runs Adam Adovino has struggled you know there are times he looks very good yesterday they you know he came in and he got it out then he gives up a little bloop single I don't blame that on him Salamora was good yesterday but Darwin's and Hernandez is a guy that I have kind of come to the conclusion that he ain't going to figure it out. You know, this is a guy who had plenty of time in the minor leagues for the Red Sox, had control problems there. He's had control problems since he came to Boston. And I am getting to the point where, you know, I, I don't care how hard he throws. You know, I don't. I, I, that's where I'm at with this kid. In his career, uh He's pitched, what, 50, 50 innings, I think, in his entire career. He's walked 45 guys in 50 innings. You know, he, he's he's held opponents to a two twenty seven batting average. <coughs> Excuse me, but he's letting guys get on base because of the walk. His whip for his career is 1.77. Now, this is part of three seasons. 
You know, it's not, I mean, I, I guess it's still a small sample sky, size because it's 50 innings, but this is a guy that you think is going to be a reliever. And he can't figure it out. You can't trust, you can't bring this guy in in big spots anymore. You know, any thought that he's going to be your seventh inning guy, you know, he has to get to a point, you know, maybe he becomes your mop-up guy. He becomes your, your, I have more confidence right now for the Red Sox and Phillips Valdez than I do in Darwin's and Hernandez. That's how bad it is. So, you know, it's, and it's a shame they got it. They wasted the last two nights, you know, a good appearance by Evaldi. You know, I, I still think that. Alex Cora pulled Martin Perez on Monday against Baltimore. I still think he pulled him too early. You know, you pull him and then you you bring Matt Andrees out of the bullpen and the first thing he does is give up a bomb. You know, I still think that that Alex needs to, you know, they're pulling the trigger too fast. They're going to this bullpen too much and it's Flaws are being exposed the more that you pitch these guys. Salamora, give him a lot of credit. Gave up a couple of hits, but uh, gutted through two innings, struck out four guys, didn't walk anybody, which was the key. But the Red Sox could not get any hits last night. They had an opportunity. Jake Diekman came on to get the save. He walked two guys in the ninth inning. But the Sox only had uh, got a guy in scoring position you know, one time in the game other than the home run, they were 0 for 2 with runners in scoring position and just looked, they weren't making solid contact. That was the part that bothered you. I mean, Michael Chavis had two hits. One of them was was essentially a comebacker to the mound. You know, a, a ball that probably should have been played by Yasmero Petit and uh, wasn't. So he had two of the four Red Sox hits. Uh, you know, end of the day, look, still in first place, but, and I'm not concerned necessarily that, you know, this team is, uh, you know, not going to hit. I do have some concerns. The Red Sox are going to have to make a decision here fairly quickly on what to do with Franchi Cordero. Frenchy Cordero went 0 for 3 again yesterday, and he struck out twice. He's now hitting a cool 156 this season. And again, you know, you could say, all right, Gene, well, it's it's 77 at bats. Why are you getting, you know, carry, you know, so wrapped up in this? The problem is, is that this is a trend, and you know, you've now seen this guy for parts of five seasons and he has 361 career at bats and he has struck out 142 times. That is atrocious. He has struck out almost 45% of the time this season. Well, 40% of the time, 32 strikeouts and 77 at bats. You know, 142 strikeouts and 361 at-bats in his career. That is not pretty. I don't care how much power he's got. If you can't make contact, it doesn't matter. You know, and but 156. And yet, and then yesterday, they open up the new ballpark in Worcester, the Red Sox new AAA affiliate. 
And Jaron Duran, one of the Red Sox top prospects, a great outfielder, uh, speed for days, hit two bombs in the uh, in the opener at home for the Worcester Red Sox yesterday. The Woo Sox, stupid name. But having said that, I mean, when you look at what's going on with Franchi Cordero, you look at Hunter Renfro, who is hitting 218. You know, the bottom of that Red Sox lineup has been brutal. You know, and look, I love Marwin Gonzalez. I love his flexibility. But the guy's hitting 211. You know, there are some spots in this lineup where the Sox have to figure things out. Look, you know Verdugo and J.D. and Bogarts and Devers and Vasquez are going to be fine. But there are some black holes in this lineup. Kike Hernandez is another one. I know he's on the disabled list right now, but he's another one. They've got to get somebody else other than those five guys to pick it up in this lineup. And maybe the answer is, and I know it's early, and I'm not saying they should do it right now. But at some point, you know, they're going to have to bring Duran up, and maybe sooner rather than later. If he continues to hit for another week or two, I think you're going to see him in Boston, and I don't think it would be a bad thing. You know, then you can just put him in center field, and then you can move Alex Verdugo back to right field where he is best suited you know, and then you can figure out your left field rotation between Renfro and Gonzalez, you know, and and uh, whoever, Kike Hernandez, I guess, if you want to throw him out there, and you you sent Fr- Franchi Cordero down to the minors and see if he can figure it out, because you know it's at a point where the Red Sox, y- you can't continue to have you know, the bottom of your lineup do absolutely nothing. So we'll see what Duran continues to do, but obviously a lot of attention paid yesterday to that game in Worcester. What a beautiful ballpark, by the way. And, I mean, they had everybody out there yesterday. Pedro Martinez threw out the first pitch. Uh, James Taylor and his son did the national anthem. Bob Cousy yelled play ball. I mean, they Bob Costas was there. They brought out everybody. And Jared Duran, you know, made everybody happy with the hitting a couple of bombs. So um, I think you're going to see him sooner rather than later. I would I'm I'm going out on a limb and saying by, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if you saw him by the first week of June. If things continue the way they are with Renfro and Cordero and Gonzalez and Hernandez, if one, if a couple of those guys don't start picking it up. I don't think the Red Sox are going to have any choice but to turn to Durant and see what the kid can do. He may well be ready. And it would not it would not make me upset at all. So anyway, the Red Sox and the A's again tonight. Eduardo Rodriguez pitches tonight, trots out that 5-0 record he's got this year. He has not had his best stuff his last couple of starts. He has gutted it through, and he has worked, but he has not had his best stuff. His velocity seems to be down a little bit. But what do you expect? The guy didn't pitch at all last year. You know, I still think with him, it's going to be hard for the Red Sox to expect him to make 30 starts this year. Now, maybe he will, but I think there's a point where they're going to have to shut him down, you know, for a little while maybe and give him some rest. You know, he went from, uh, you know, 
all full speed ahead to absolutely nothing last year, and then the Mario Carditis situation. I just don't know if he's one hundred percent. Matter of fact, I know he's not one hundred percent of the Erod that we saw in twenty nineteen. So he will pitch tonight, and then the A's are going to trot out a kid, James Caprillion. Uh, he is making his first major league start, and I hate that. This is, you know, every time that somebody make guy makes a major league start, you know, it's going to be one of those things where, uh, you know, nobody's got a book on him. Nobody sees him. And a lot of times these guys go out and absolutely fool hitters, at least for the first time out. So we'll see. But uh, Erod gets a start, and Red Sox need to get things going back in the right direction. Uh, one other quick note. Interesting yesterday, as far as the Oakland Athletics go, Major League Baseball put out a, a statement yesterday basically telling, not basically, t- telling Oakland, not just the franchise, the athletics, but also the city of Oakland, that you have our blessing to start looking to relocate. That, you know, we know you guys have been trying to get a new ballpark in Oakland. You've got this waterfront idea, you know, for this billion-dollar privately funded ballpark, by the way. You know, it's going to be, you know, done without public money. You just need the the city to get on board and give you the, the clearance and all that kind of stuff. And they've been dragging their feet. The, the athletics have put a proposal in front of the city council in Oakland and has been there for quite some time. And yet nothing has happened. And MLB has said the ballpark that you're in does not meet our criteria for the way we want this league going forward. So feel free to start looking around. You know, and here's the thing. Even if that thing gets approved tomorrow, it's at a point now where the ballpark wouldn't be ready until like 2027. So you still have six years of a of a, a mess in the Oakland Coliseum where you know the sewers back up and the locker rooms. I mean, it's just it's awful, you know. And if you're Oakland and you've already seen the Raiders leave for Vegas, the Golden State Warriors have left town. You know. Are you going to let the athletics leave town too? And now all of a sudden Oakland becomes a sports wasteland. That is not optimal. If you're trying to keep the city of Oakland, you know, vital, you know, so if you're, if you're the uh, Oakland, uh, a, a taxpayer in Oakland, you've got to be concerned and somebody needs to go to that city council and say, Hey, you know, we need to get this done because basically uh, MLB threw down the gauntlet yesterday and said, approve this or we're all for you getting out. And, you know, the owner has said, look, we want to stay in Oakland. They recognize how important that franchise could be. And frankly, think about this with the Raiders gone and the Warriors leaving town. I mean, they won't have any competition. They should be able to sell a new ballpark out on a regular basis. You know, and if they put up some nice ballpark down on the waterfront and supposedly it's going to have views of San Francisco across the bay, if they build something like they did in San Francisco, you know, with that beautiful ballpark that they, you know, when they tore down Candlestick and they put up the new ballpark in San Francisco, if the athletics could do something like that, that would be awesome. So, 
MLB has said, get it done. Now let's see if the city council gets it done. It's 30 minutes past the hour. We've got to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 32 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Wednesday morning. Uh, so the Yankees win again yesterday, and uh, they beat the Rays 3-1, to one, uh, something they've had trouble doing this year. It was just their second win in seven games against the Rays this season. A uh, strong outing by Jordan Montgomery last night, went six innings and uh, only gave up two hits and uh, one run. The only run he gave up was a solo home run to uh, catcher Mike Zanino. Uh, Jonathan Lewisaga, two strong innings, and then Aroldis Chapman uh, picked up his eighth save of the season. Uh, did walk a guy in the ninth, but uh, they win it by the final of 3-1. to one. couple of home runs in the game. Aaron Judge had one. And uh, Gary Sanchez had one, went one for four in the game, but that uh, one hit was a uh, solo home run in the seventh inning off of uh, Fleming. Uh, I mean, I guess that's good news if you're Sanchez. It's a guy that has really uh, struggled. Just his fourth home run of the season, he's hitting 178. Um, you know, I mean, any other good news, I guess, if you're a Yankee fan, uh, he didn't uh, make an error last night, no pass balls or anything like that. Luke Voigt, his first game back for the Yankees, went 0 for 3 last night. Um, he got hit on the, uh, on the wrist with a pitch uh, in one of his at-bats, but uh, he appears to be okay. Uh, but the Yankees have three runs on seven hits, and they move to 19 and 16, just two games back of the Sox now. They've won three in a row, eight of the last ten, they're coming, and if you're Boston, that's why I say, you know, today is a, a big, big game. Uh, you know, and, it, of course, the Red Sox will be rooting hard for the Rays today uh, to kind of get that game back if they can uh, beat the rookie for the athletics. But uh, Garrett Cole is on the hill tonight for the Yankees, so you have to like their chances. 4-1 uh, and one with a one six one ERA. Colin McHugh is going to be the opener for the Rays tonight, so it'll be uh, McHugh and... Uh, then a parade of bullpen arms after that. But um, as I said, Yankees have won 8 of 10, and Garrett Cole going tonight. If you're a Sox fan, that does not make you very comfortable. Uh, another team that made some strides in the standings last night, the Toronto Blue Jays moved to within two and a half back as they beat the Atlanta Braves 5-3 to three last night in kind of an, uh, an odd way for this to finish. I mean, the Blue Jays kind of got lucky in this one. Uh, they were down 3-2 in the eighth inning, and uh, Jonathan Davis hits a double. And then Marcus Simeon hits like this little dribbler to the pitcher. And then the pitcher, for whatever reason, hesitated. The runner at second base kind of froze, and then Minter hesitated. Instead of getting the out at first base on the comebacker, he hesitates, looks at second, and throws to second, Davis dives back in safely. Well, they don't get anybody, and so now there's two on. Uh, Bo Bichette loaded the bases with a single, and then another odd play. Freddie Freeman gets a ball at first base and looked to the plate to get the out, but then paused, didn't make the throw, and then he didn't have any play. Nobody was covering first base. The Blue Jays score a run. Game's tied. You know, I mean, it's just like it was, uh, 
one thing after another. So the Braves kind of shot themselves in the foot last night. Toronto has owned the Braves this year. They've won all four games against uh, Atlanta. Uh, and it was good pitching performance uh, by Ray last night. He struck out 10 in six innings, only gave up five hits. He did give up three runs because he gave up two bombs. Uh, Bryce Wilson got the start for Atlanta, pitched pretty well as well, uh, but uh, Minter hurt himself. He didn't get anybody out, ended up giving up three hits and three runs. That play, you know, if you just get the out on that on that comebacker, you know, the inning could have been completely different. But that didn't happen. Uh, Romano picked up his first save for the uh, the Blue Jays last night. Uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. continues his hot start to the season. Three for five last night, including his uh, eighth home run of the season. Drove in three. He's now hitting three twenty two. Uh, look, he, the dude lost a lot of weight in the offseason, and it is paying dividends. He has looked great. Uh, so the two teams again today, it'll be Hinjin Ryu, the ace for the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, comes in with a 2-2 two two record, 3-3-1 three, three, ERA. Max Freed, uh, who has uh, struggled, has an ERA of over 8. I mean, I know it's early in the season, but that's an ugly number. I don't care what part of the season it is. He'll get the start for the Braves tonight. Uh, so the Blue Jays, as they said, now two and a half back uh, for Atlanta. That loss puts them one game under 500, and they fall to two and a half back of the New York Mets. And that's because the Mets scored two runs in the bottom of the ninth inning last night to beat the Baltimore Orioles, uh, three to two. Uh, John Means and Marcus Stroman. Matched each other pitch for pitch. Means six shutout innings right after. This is the game after his no-hitter. Uh, now, he gave up a hit in the first inning, so didn't have to worry about back-to-back no-hitters for very long. But he allowed six hits, no runs, didn't walk anybody, struck out three, lowered his ERA to 1.21. Stroman was just as good for uh, New York. Uh, gave up one run and four hits in six and a third innings. Um, but uh, the Mets get a couple of runs off of Cesar Valdez, their relief pitcher, and the uh, the winning run, another, again, this is, you know, just when you think you've seen it all in baseball, uh, it proves to you that you haven't. Um, kid by the name of Patrick Mazika. Now, Patrick Mazika is the third string catcher for the New York Mets. Uh, he ends up driving in the winning run on a fielder's choice last night. The second career walk-off RBI for the kid, and he's done it both with fielder's choices. It's unbelievable. Uh, and by the way, in between those two walk-offs, he got a bases-loaded walk, so he got an RBI on that as well. Uh, so he hasn't gotten a hit, but he has multiple RBIs in his career. Since the RBI became an official statistic, um, Elias has not been able to find anybody that has gotten uh, two walk-offs like that. So <laughs> Masika... Four plate appearances, three runs batted in, but no hits. Talk about a statistical oddity. Uh, so, all eyes, though, will be on New York today. Why? The Dark Knight makes his return to New York to pitch for the Orioles against the Mets. It'll be the first time that Harvey has pitched against the Mets since being traded to the Cincinnati Bengals back in the 2018 season. Now, look, we all know how he has struggled. We all know the injury issues he's had, and 
He's bounced around quite a bit. Well, he seems to have figured it out, at least for now. Uh, he has pitched very, very well for Baltimore this season. Uh, he he is going to come to New York uh, with a modest record. I mean, he's uh, I think he's uh, three and two, three six zero ERA in seven starts. He pitched pretty well against Boston last time out, and uh, was the tough luck loser because he gave up a bunch of unearned runs. But he is pitching for the first time in City Field since being traded. It is going to be fascinating to see what kind of reception he gets in New York. Now, if New York fans are smart, they are going to give this guy a standing ovation. He meant a lot to this franchise. Uh, he, he drew attention to a franchise that was uh, struggling. There's no question about that, and he put on some electric performances for the Mets. So it'll be a lot of fun to see uh, the game is at noon today. So I know I'll be watching. It's on SNY. So uh, Matt Harvey makes his return, the Mystic Connecticut native Fitch High School graduate, making his return to New York today. I can't wait. Uh, that'll be a lot of fun. So uh, we'll keep our eyes peeled on that one. By the way, speaking of homecomings, um, Mitch Moreland, playing for Oakland yesterday, made his return to Fenway uh, for the first time since uh, the Red Sox traded him to San Diego last season. And, of course, then he ended up signing as a free agent with Oakland this year. Now, there were 10,000 people in Fenway last night, and he got a standing ovation And I, to the point where, you know, he nodded his head a couple of times, and he finally tipped his cap to the crowd, which made him, of course, go even wilder. I wish the place had been full. I was a huge Mitch Moreland fan. I wish he was still there. I mean, I get it. I know why he's not. You know, you had to uh, do what you did to get Bobby Dahl back, some at-bats, et cetera, et cetera. But, man, uh, he, Mitchie Tubags uh, had some huge hits for the Red Sox. And he was hitting the snot out of the ball last year when they traded him. It was smart by the Red Sox. They traded high, you know, and uh, and got something back for him. You know, so you can't blame the Red Sox for what they did. But uh, classy guy, great defensive first baseman, and got a great uh, reception yesterday. So uh, I was really happy to see that. Um, other action from yesterday, uh, Bryce Harper returned to Washington with the Philadelphia Phillies. If you remember back in 2019, he was getting booed all the time after signing with uh, the Phillies as a free agent. Um Got a break last year because there were no fans. Well, it started right back up again. And Bryce Harper said, no problem. Third pitch he saw uh, from Eric Fetty, he crushed. Hit it out and uh, said, here, take this. It was his seventh home run of the season. And uh, the Phillies go on to beat the Nationals last night, 6-2. to two. Uh, They opened it up a three-run eighth inning. Uh, opened up a very close game. Chase Anderson got the start for the Phillies and was good enough. Two runs and uh, three hits in five innings, and then a good job out of the Philly bullpen uh, as they win it 6-2. to two. Uh, Fetty gets a tag with the loss. He falls to 2-4 and four on the season. Zach Wheeler will get the start for the Phillies today. His last time out was a three-hit shutout of Milwaukee on Thursday. Uh, John Lester. Uh, who is 0-1, but he has a 2-7-0 ERA. He's only made two starts, but he's gone five innings in each of his first two starts this year for Washington. 
So that'll be an interesting matchup uh, later on today. Uh, injury news uh, for the Phillies. Uh, they are close to getting Archie Bradley back. He's going to start a rehab assignment. That will really help that bullpen. Uh, and Steven Strasburg threw a simulated game on Tuesday. And uh, word was is that he actually looked better than a lot of people thought. So that's a good sign. Don't know how far away he is. But obviously, if Washington's going to stay in this race, in the NL East, they need to get Steven Strasburg back. So uh, the fact that he was out, he threw 62 pitches in the simulated game, uh, a pretty good sign for them. It is 45 minutes past the hour. We've got to take another break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Um, the San Diego Padres, uh, boy, tough day. Uh, they had to put Fernando Tatis Jr. on the COVID list as uh, he tested positive and uh, a couple of other backups as well. So they start the game, and then all of a sudden, during the game, they have to pull Will Myers out of the game because he found out in the middle of the game that he tested positive. So they yanked him out of the game, I think, after the third inning. Eric Hosmer had to be removed as well because of contact tracing. So now five players all of a sudden are out. Uh, Didn't bother the Padres. They still ended up... uh, uh, beating the Colorado Rockies yesterday, eight to one. Uh, Denilson Lamette made his second start as he's coming back from an injury. Just pitched a couple of innings. It was a, more of a bullpen game, but uh, the Padres jumped on uh, Anthony Senzatella, and uh, they continue their dominance over the Rockies, and they moved to twenty and sixteen on the season. But now they have a doubleheader schedule today. They already know they're going to be without five players. Uh, as far as they know, they said they're still going to be able to uh, uh, play, but we'll see. Uh, they've, as I said, they've still got they've got Jurex and Profar and Jorge Mateo, and now Myers, Hosmer, and uh, Tatis out. So they called up a couple of guys from their AAA team in El Paso, um, and and selected John Andrioli as well. Uh, to try to have enough players for today. So unless something goes south and they end up having to, you know, deactivate a whole bunch more guys because of contact tracing, uh, they're fairly certain they're going to be able to play today. But uh, they were on the horn to El Paso to get a couple of players in a hurry to make sure they're going to be able to uh, play today. Late game last night, the Dodgers looked like they were headed for another loss. I mean, look, the the, the Dodgers have been taking on water like nobody's business um, prior to last night, uh, they had won just two of their last 10 games. Well, they come back last night and beat the Seattle Mariners six to four. They trailed in this game, uh, four to one going into the bottom of the seventh inning, a couple of runs in the seventh inning to make it a one run game. And then Gavin Lux, a three run bomb in the eighth. Um, and they end up winning the game as he hits it off of Montero and the Dodgers picked up a much needed win. Uh, Walker Bueller got the start and wasn't great last night. He did strike out eight, uh, but he gave up three home runs to Seattle batters last night. Uh, Mitch Hanniger took him out twice. Uh, Hanniger's now got 10 homers on the season, and uh, uh, Seeger hit one as well, his seventh of the season. And in, the Mariners end up losing. They fall to 18-18, and 18, but a much-needed win for the Los Angeles Dodgers last night, no question about it. Uh, another late game last night. Shohei Otani got the start for the Angels last night and pitched well. 
And the problem was is the, he only pitched seven innings. He struck out ten, only gave up one run. Matter of fact, the only run he gave up uh, was a home run to Kyle Tucker. And then they took him out. And he actually went and played the outfield after that. They kept him in the game because they wanted to keep his bat in the lineup. But then uh, Houston got two Aaron Slagers and Alex Claudio for four runs in two-thirds of an inning. And Lance McCullers ends up getting the victory uh, as Houston comes back to beat the Angels last night by a final of 5-1. Uh, to one. Andrew Heaney will get the start for the Angels today against uh, Jose Urquidy. Uh, Madison Bumgarner, great performance last night for the Arizona Diamondbacks. He continues uh, his comeback story. He's starting to – look, he was awful at the start of the season. He had that seven-inning no-hitter uh, last week. Seven shutout innings yesterday. Struck out nine, didn't walk anybody. Picked up his fourth win of the season. And uh, the Diamondbacks crushed the Miami Marlins last night by a final of 11-3. to uh, So now the Diamondbacks get to within two games of 500. And the, uh, uh, the Marlins continue to struggle. Zach Gallen will get the start for the Diamondbacks today. He is 1-1 one one with a 3-0-4 uh, ERA. The, the Boston Celtics last night with another loss. It looks like the Celtics are headed for the NBA play-in round. Um, it doesn't help, obviously. Jalen Brown tore a ligament in his wrist. He is having surgery this week, and so they will be without him for the rest of the season. But they lost their second straight game to the Miami Heat last night, 129-121. to And my only question is, is who in the hell was playing defense? Miami, <laughs> Miami shot... 57% from the field last night. 57%. You never see that in the NBA. I mean, it was like they were just making uncontested shots all night. Uh, Tyler Hero, 24 points off the bench to lead Miami. Uh, they also got 22 from Bam Adebayo uh, and Duncan Robinson, and uh, they win by eight. Uh, Jason Tatum at 33. Kemba Walker had 36. They did their best to keep him in it, but good Lord, somebody has to play some defense. Absolutely brutal. So the only chance that the Celtics have of staying out of the playing round, the only way they can catch anybody, the only team they can catch is the New York Knicks. Celtics have three games left. They're all on the road. Uh, they have to play Cleveland, I believe, on Thursday. But the only way for the Celtics to stay out of the playing round is they have to win their last three games, and then the New York Knicks have to lose their last three games. That's not happening. So the Celtics, you know, much was expected of this team, and they are going to find themselves in the playing round. Uh, and it is going to be very, very interesting to see what Danny Ainge does in the offseason. You have to wonder... And I hope this doesn't happen because I still believe in this guy. I still think he's a good coach. Uh, you have to wonder if the Celtics continue, or, or if they can, if they flame out of the playoffs, if they consider dumping Brad Stevens, the head coach. I hope not. But you know how you know you know how the Boston media is. You know how Boston fans are, and they have not taken this well at all. Uh, so we'll have to see, but, uh, a sad ending to the season, uh, for the Boston Celtics. I mean, it, well, it's not over, obviously there's three regular season games left and they'll be in the playoffs, but I think it's going to be a quick exit. Uh, the Bruins played their final regular season game last night. They played nobody. They sat all, uh, 
their regular players. So there was no Pasternak. You know, there was no uh, Brad Marchand. You didn't see any of the regulars out there last night. They end up losing to the Washington Capitals. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. Uh, Michael Raff, Raffi scores the winning goal for the Capitals with three seconds left in regulation. It was a puck that bounced off the helmet uh, of the uh, young uh, Bruins goaltender Swayman and fell in for the game winner with three seconds left in regulation. Swayman was good again, 30 saves. Uh, Bruce Cassidy officially announced that he will be the backup goaltender in the playoffs, which means Yaroslav Halak's career uh, with the Boston Bruins is probably officially over. Uh, Once Halak went on the COVID-19 list and missed the better part of a month, and Swayman has come up and played so well, um, you know, Halak is done. You know, and you saw Halak in his last game when he lost it in overtime, slamming his stick because he knew. You know, he knew that uh, he needed to come up big in order to have a chance to play in the playoffs, and now he won't. Swayman will back up Tuka Rask. So uh, the Capitals win it 2-1, to one, and now these two teams will start the playoffs against each other on Saturday night. And I'm telling you, here's the only thing I hope for. And my buddy Mike DeMauro to the London Day said that. He said, look, I'm not really, a, you know, somebody who – uh, encourages violence, he said, but I'm going to watch the NHL playoffs just to see if somebody beats the snot out of Tom Wilson. And I'm telling you what, and I know this is terrible, but my my prayer is that somebody beats the snot out of Tom Wilson in the playoffs. After what Wilson has done all season long and how he got away with the assault on those two players from the New York Rangers without a suspension, I hope somebody takes care of this guy because it's absolutely unconscionable what the NHL allowed. And uh, this guy just doesn't seem to get it. You know, the shame of it is, is he's a talented player, but he just doesn't seem to get it. He thinks it's okay uh, to be a goon, you know, and to take cheap shots on people. So I hope somebody beats the crap out of him. I'll be rooting for that myself. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Wake Up Call. We leave you this morning with a classic. Here's some Warren Zevon and Werewolves of London. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.